Welcome to Winning the World for Christ, a Christ Church Way of the Cross podcast with Bishop Ronald Frazier. Christ Church proudly celebrates 20 years of ministry and service to God. Now, here's Bishop Frazier with today's message. House Fire. Joshua chapter 24, beginning at verse 12. And I sent the hornets before you, which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword, nor with thy bow. And I have given you a land which you did not labor, and cities which you built not, and you dwell in them, of the vineyards and olive yards which ye planted not, do you eat. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, house. we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went among all the people through whom we passed. Verse 15, and if it seemed evil unto you to serve the Lord, Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want to preach on this subject today, house fire. House fire, Father, speak to our hearts the words of life and help us to understand the things that you're trying to share with us. Bless us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Probably one of the sorriest things that you can see is a house going up in flames. It's not pretty. The thought that people's possessions are being burnt and destroyed, the memories are being turned into ashes. The thoughts of all the things that had taken place in that particular house is destroyed. And initially, it is a sad time when a house is on fire. But when there's insurance in place and there's backup information After the storm is over, 
and the house that was destroyed because of a fire is now being rebuilt and a beautiful structure takes place where once there was a house and now you see a beautiful new home as a result of the original home going up in flame. Now I granted that nobody want to see their house burned down. But having that insurance in place and having that house rebuilt and having a beautiful structure, you smile as you go through the new house because you say, you know what? I do remember the old house and all the things we did and all the memories in the old house, but I thank God for this new beautiful place that I'm living in. Where are you going, preacher? What are you trying to share with this message? That except the Lord built the house, they labor in vain that built it. And except the Lord keep the city, the watchmen waken, but it's in vain. God builds our house. And God has given us directions on building our house. Building. The house is a foundation. And upon that foundation, when that foundation is laid, the house go up. One of the greatest compliments a principal ever gave me was she said, thank you, Dr. Frazier, for sending your girls to school prepared, reading, and ready for school. I appreciate that so much. Parents, you don't wait till your child get to school to teach them how to read. You lay a foundation. And I just got so tickled because with Jasper, I used to take and put words on the refrigerator. You know, your first child, you do all, of, all those nice things. And we would play the game. I would say up, and she would say down. I would say in, and she would say out. I would say hot, and she would say cold, doing the opposite, teaching them different concepts and made it in game form, taking those spelling words, putting the words on tape recorder. I know we don't do tape recorders now, we use phones and all that. But, and then playing it back so they could hear the words, taking those long trips to Philadelphia. It wasn't a boring time because we would go to the library and get a stack of books with the cassette tape, and I would put the cassette tape inside the player. I know I'm dating myself, and they would listen to the cassette and read along in the book. Are you listening to me? Because I was building a foundation. I was parenting and teaching them the importance of reading and loving to read. And one of the greatest things that you can do for your child in childhood education is to take them to the library. Give them their very own library card and let them take out as many books as they want. You can take up to 75 books per visit, just for the record's sake. It developed a love for reading in my children's lives. And that was probably one of the greatest gifts that you could give a child is a love for reading. Because when they take tests, they have to read. I was in class, and it was just a document that had four pages, one, two, three, four. And the little boy said, that's too much information to read. And I'm looking, and I'm thinking, now wait a minute here. That's not too much information to read, because in life, in order for you to succeed, you must learn how to read. And my heart bleeds for parents who are not reaching their children 
and not sharing the importance of reading. Are you listening to me? You say, but preacher, you're supposed to be talking about a house on fire. I am, because there's some fires in our houses that need to be burned and some ignorance that need to be destroyed so a new foundation can be laid and our children can build for success and be successful. We, we just talk about childhood and how important it is. I laugh when I ride past playgrounds that we went to. They used to have the old Amish furniture, playground materials, recycled materials, like Rips, the restaurant would have the Amish playground material, the ships, the pirate ships, the playground, the swings, and it didn't cost me anything to drive to the playground and allow them to play to get that energy out. I would try to wear them out on Saturday. Oh, yes, I did. Would go and go and play and play. And by the time I bring them back home, all First Lady had to do was wash them up and do their hair. But I was out. I was checking out, going to bed. Because we wore them out going from one place to another. When it was time to go to the next stop, I'll just simply tell them, time for the next stop. And they knew that means get themselves together because the next stop could have simply been going to McDonald's, getting the ice cream cone. It could be going to 7-Eleven and getting a Slurpee. But it had some type of reward attached to it's time for the next stop. I didn't have to argue and fuss with them because they didn't know where that next stop could have been. Are you listening to me? But you're building a house. You're building a home. You're building a family. You're building a foundation upon which young people will build their lives. House fire, I cry because when I listen to students talking and I listen to the disrespect that they have for teachers, and I watch the cursing and I watch the behavior. I'm in middle school now and watch all the destruction. I shake my head. It's sad. It's so sad when you walk into the school and you just see it and you hear it. And you said, this cannot be happening. I was just so, I guess, far removed because dealing with elementary children, that's one thing. I mean, you can speak to them. You can pick up that phone and call their parents, send them an email, and they'll straighten up. In fact, you just talk to them, and they'll respect you. But in that middle school, it's a totally different monster. It's a jungle field. It's a mission field. And I understand now why some parents are having so much problem with their 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds. We lose them there, right in the middle school. But I had someone to tap me. He said, Pastor Frazier, you're blessed. I said, what are you talking about? He said, because now you are in touch with a group of young people that you know exactly what they're going through, you see what they are facing every day in their life, and now you get an insight, you're being able to peep into their world to see what they're up against. And sometimes, parents, you don't know what your child is up against. That's why I encourage you to be on social media. 
I got on social media because I heard from one of my counselors that, you know, yeah, I know who your child's friends are because I'm a part of social media. Oh, I said, wait a minute. If the school counselor is on there, maybe I should be on there too. Because that way I'll get to know who my child's friends are. Yeah, Jesus, okay. I guess it's quiet in the house. You begin to find out comments. And you hear them talking about the different medias and the different modes. And I love it because they think I'm stupid, but I'm right on top of you. Yeah, I got Snapchat. Okay, good. I got it too. You're not leaving me out. You need to know the language. You need to understand what's being done among our young people. Stay in touch. You know why? If nothing else, then to know how to pray. Because one of the things we didn't have, and I appreciate the fact the first lady is from Philadelphia, and I met her in Philly, and I was in Washington. She's in Philadelphia, and I laugh now. We had to date over the phone, and there were times at night I would be talking on the phone, and I'd go to sleep. And that was the house phone. There wasn't no cell phone. I'm so glad my mother's gone to glory. She should have pulled out those long-distance phone bills. I'm sleeping with the phone up against my ear. Oh, God bless her. But they don't need cell, they don't need the house phone anymore. They can FaceTime each other. Not only talk, but see what they're talking about. Are you listening to me? Have a visual and being able to connect. We are living in an interesting time. A time for us to be prayerful because the same social media that bless us, that help us, that enrich our lives, the enemy flips it and uses it against our young people to expose them to things they have no business seeing, knowing, being involved in until later on in life. Are you listening? That's a house fire, things that are on fire. Wow. So what are you saying? Cut them off? No, I'm saying monitor. Be involved. Be a part of. It's interesting. I just wonder why we never had the TV in the kids' bedroom. Never had all that devilish stuff that come on cable just pumping into their bedroom. You, you want to watch TV? Okay, there's a big family room with a nice big TV. Go on and watch. But we're able to monitor what you watch. And there were certain channels that we didn't bring in our house. So we didn't have to put the lock on the remote so the channels you won't get to. Are you listening to me? Because I'm talking about building a house. Because sometimes there are fires in your house that you're not even aware of that your house is about to go up in flames. I remember one day I was washing and drying clothes in the dryer and all of a sudden I smelled something and I went to look at the dryer and the dryer was on fire. Wow. Are you listening to me? You, because you got to clean the lint and you got to clean behind the dryers. You got to do all that. And the dryer was on fire. So of course we had to call 911. But while they were calling 911, I was unplugging the dryer. I grabbed that boy and was pulling it out into the front yard. 
Because I understood that if the dryer was on fire and if I didn't control it, the whole house would go up in flames. Are you listening to me? There are little flames going on in your house. And if you don't manage it, your whole house will go up in flames. What are you saying, preacher? Monitor what's going on in your house. And it's just interesting that you can go to some people's house and anything goes. You can go in some folks' house and any music goes. You can go in some people's house, open their refrigerator, and anything is in the refrigerator. But you've got to set the boundaries for your house. House rules, rules that apply to this house. I don't care what the neighbor's children are doing or what other people are doing in their house. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'm not trying to say that my house is better than anybody else's house. I'm just saying this is what's going on in my house. And that's what you have to do. You have to take a stand. It's nice to be nice to your children. It's nice to be able to pray with your kid. It's nice and all that. But you know what? You're the parents. You're not the child. Children are not going to have the run of our house. You run your house. And if they can't abide by your rule, there's the door. Establish your own house. You can't follow my rules. There's the door. Okay, but I'm so young. Yeah, but there's the door. And I know plenty of people that have put their children out. And the saints begin to run their mouth and run their lips about the fact that they put them out of their house. Well, you know what? There were certain foolishness you weren't going to tolerate in your house. And if they don't want to listen and follow instruction, then get out. Wow. Well, that's some tough pastor. No, because you're going to burn up my whole house. Your foolishness is going to destroy my whole house. Because you're being disobedient and hard-headed, you're going to burn down my whole house. Like I pulled out that dryer, you pull them out. Or they get themselves together. Is this making sense? When I look at Joshua, Joshua was a mighty leader. Joshua learned from the best of them. Moses was his teacher. Moses was his instructor. Moses was his mentor. Moses was his spiritual father. And Moses instilled in Joshua principles that made him the man of God that he was. I'm getting real close back again with my aunt, my Aunt Peggy, who's left, the oldest one that's left in our family, over 80 years old. I sit down and I talk with her. I was at her house last week and I just had to get myself together because, first of all, she had pictures of my mother and my grandmother and my Aunt Maddie. She had the pictures there. and we're just sitting and talking, and then all of a sudden I, I said, I understand what you're saying. I know what you're trying to tell me. You've lost your mentor. Your mentor was my mother, Mary Frazier. I understand what you are saying. And, and then there we both about to have this moment where we need to pass Kleenex because we understood the impact of how our mother taught the importance of prayer of how our mother taught us how to help people, even if it hurt you to help somebody else. I've watched her make sacrifices, and I'm not understanding, Mom. You're helping these people, and we need help ourselves. But she unselfishly 
helped other people. She gave the shirt off her back, the shoes off her feet, coats and everything else. She had eight kids herself to raise, but she helped other people raise their children. And when my cousin cut a fool and their mother put them out, they came to our house and lived with us. Uh-huh. Oh, Jesus. My God. I didn't understand it then, but I understand it now. They're structured. Even when my cousins used to come and visit and sleep over on Saturday, we already tell them, Sunday morning, guess what? You're getting up, you're getting dressed, and you're going to church with us. But my, we don't have to go to church at our house, but you're in the Fraser's house now. And what we do, we get up, we get our bowl of cornflakes, and we get ready to go to Sunday school, morning worship. We come home and eat, and then we go back to 6 o'clock service. Are you listening? Oh, that was child abuse. No. She was teaching and instructing. And I think about my grandmother. I think about my Aunt Maddie. Those ladies made an influence on our life. That's why I used to love being around those older people. You little did you realize that they were giving you wisdom and knowledge. And they taught you to say things like, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, ma'am. No, sir. They taught you how to open the door and hold the door, how to be respectful. Can I carry your bags? Are you listening? Not always looking for something back in return, but things that you needed to do as being a respectful young man and a respectful young lady. These are godly principles. I call it home training. And it looks like it's missing. But Moses trained Joshua. He gave him good instruction. He told Joshua to follow the Lord, to serve the Lord. And Joshua listened to his mentor, Moses. And he poured into his life. And my cry is that we need to stop and pour into the generation that's following us. Because one day we will be off the scene. We are going to die. We're going to get out of here. And the generation that's following us are going to pick up the torch and they're going to preach the gospel. They're going to be the missionary. They will be the deacons. They will be raising their children and prayerfully in the house of God. Oh, Jesus. Are you listening to me? House fire. And so Moses had told the people that how important it was to serve the Lord. Moses said, if you leave the Lord, God is going to destroy you. You're going into the land. I know I'm the one that brought you out of the land, and I, unfortunately I can't go into the land with you, the promised land, but you're going to go into places, you're going to get houses you didn't build. You're going to eat from trees you didn't plant. You didn't plant those vineyards, but you're going to eat from them. God's going to prosper you. And just look at our life. God has blessed us as a people. God has blessed us. We are living better than our mother. We're living better than our grandmother. We're living better than our great-grandmother. You said better. 
Well, better in terms of the housing that we live in, the cars that we drive, the places that we go to work, our vacation. Are you listening? We have a better life. You say, well, preacher, you don't know my, I don't know all that. Right, granted, okay. But for the most part, we are much better off than our parents. We have so much more than our parents and our grandparents had, but we're doing so much less. Are you listening? And so we need to ask the Lord, Lord, because you have blessed me in these different areas, you caused me to prosper, help me to help a generation that's coming up behind me. Because it's not enough for me to go to heaven and love to be in heaven and my loved ones die and go to hell. We want to reach the generation behind us. And sometimes you don't even realize you're teaching, but you are teaching because they're watching you. You're your child's first teacher. Before they ever go to school, they watch the way you carry yourself. They watch the way you handle pressure. They watch you as you read. So that's why you have to role model. You have to have books. You got to love books. You got to read. You got to turn off that television sometime and pick up a book and read. Are you listening? Go to school, study, advance yourself, make something of your life because your children are watching you. Moses taught Joshua, but he understood that the time was coming, that he had to leave. And so Moses passed on a legacy. A legacy is what we leave behind when we die. I know we're going to put that little purse aside and go do the insurance and have a little money. Got all that part, but what are you leaving Behind, What are you passing on? A love for God should be part of the legacy box that we leave. A desire to pray and let them know, hey, when you get in trouble, prayer will bring you out. Learn how to talk to God, to know God for yourself. One of the greatest things you can do is to teach your children to interact with God, to have that legacy because you're building a house. And Joshua understood. He picked it up from Moses. And when we look at this 24th chapter of Joshua, verse 12, the Lord said, I sent hornets before you, which drave them out before you. The two kings of the Amorites, not with the sword or bow. You didn't even have to fight. God sent the, the hornets to drive them out. And I have given you a land which you did not labor and cities which you built not and you dwell then in them. Of the vineyards and olive yards which you planted not, do you eat? Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood in Egypt. He's telling them, you got to put away those gods. Remember, there were hundreds of gods in Egypt, frog gods, moon gods, water gods, you name it. They had a god for it. There were many gods that the Egyptians served. And sometimes when God brings you out, you bring with you the old gods from that old life. Am I making sense? That's why the house fire needs to come and clean up some things and burn down some things. 
and destroy those things. I'm not bringing those old gods into my new house. I'm not bringing that old way of life. And sometimes, and I grant it, and I understand it, and I get it, that we have an old life. There was way we used to handle things in the past. You push me, I'm going to fight you. I'm going to cut you. I'm going to shoot you. I'm going to curse you out. I'm going to do something to you. Yeah, those were the gods of the past. But now that we're in Christ Jesus, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away and behold, all things are new. I'm so glad God brought me from that old house into a new house. We are a new creature. I know you're saying, my preacher, I want to go back to that old house. I want to go back to that old way. Yeah, that old roach-infested place. Mm -mm. I'm glad I'm out of it. Fighting with the mice. I'm glad I'm out of it. Uh-uh. I don't want to go back. Lord, you don't have to take me back. I've learned the lesson that I needed to learn from that old house. Now that you've given me a new beginning, a new start, a fresh beginning. A fresh start, I appreciate where I'm at. In fact, I'm so grateful I walk through this house and say thank you. Thank you. I go in this room and I bless this room. I walk in this room and I bless this room. I want the presence of the Lord to be felt in my house because my house is a place where God dwells. And your house should be a place when people come into your house. They may not fully understand it, but they can sense that the presence of the Lord is in this place. In fact, I want to do some wrong. I want to do some dirt. I want to do something evil. But if I'm going to do it, I got to get out of this house and do it. Because there's something about the presence of the Lord that's in this house. You know why? Because in this house we pray. In this house we worship. In this house we have consecrated. We have dedicated this house that the glory of the Lord, yes, Lord. would be in this house. Yes. Anybody ever been in your kitchen and prayed in your kitchen? Yes. You ever been in your bedroom and prayed in your bedroom and your bedroom became a sanctuary? The presence of the Lord filled your house. God can fill your house. His presence is not limited by where you are, but he'll come right where you are. In my room, he'll come in your room. He'll come in your prayer closet. He'll come in your family room. The presence of the Lord, if you worship him, if you build it for him, he'll come and he'll dwell among you in your house. Your house becomes a sanctuary. Yes. No, I'm not going to forget you, Lord, and I'm not going to try to serve the God's that we serve on the other side of the flood. He said, okay, look, you must serve him, serve the Lord. And verse 15, he raised this question. If it seemed evil <laughs> unto you to serve the Lord, then choose you this day whom you will serve. Okay, you got it, but you got to make a choice. Do I serve God who has brought me across the flood and into this land and has blessed me, given me this house, this day, or do I go back and serve the God that was on the other side of the flood? You got to make a choice. 
Do you want to go back? I serve the God that had you drinking all night and then you too stupid to get up and go to work because you got a hangover. You will serve a God that gave you drugs and filled you up and scattered your mind. No, I want to serve the God that had brought me into this land and that has blessed me and has given me an opportunity to have a right mind. He has delivered me. I'm not going back, but you got to make a choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Mm-hmm. Will you serve? Whether on the other side or the God in whose land that you now dwell. But then he says, okay, you got to make your choice. But I want you to understand, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You have to make a decree and you have to declare that for your house, this is how it's going to be. This is the rule for your house. House rule. This house serves the Lord. But the neighbor house don't do this. So and so that you don't live there. You live in this house and you've got to declare this what's happening In this house, but yeah, in the neighbor's house, they can smoke, but in this house, you can't smoke. Are you listening? For this house, oh, Jesus, that sounds like abuse. I should be able to do anything I want to do in the house. I come in this house. No, no, no. You don't get to do anything you want to do. I pay the mortgage here. Are you listening? Yes, this is my house, or in our case, our house. <laughs> Are you listening? So when you pay your mortgage, and sometimes parents understand, children begin to smell themselves, and they got to get out and establish their own house and do their devilment in their own house. Now, I can't rule your house, but I can tell you what's going on in this house. Oh, Jesus. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And you know what you need to do? You need to declare that everything in this house is covered by the blood of Jesus. I cover this house in the blood of Jesus. In this house, you represent me. In this house, you will study. In this house, you're going to finish school. In this house, you're going to be successful. In this house, you're not talking back to the teacher. In this house, you will be obedient. Are you listening? In this house, you're not going to party all night. In this house, when the sun, the post come out, the street light comes on, you're going to be in the house. In this house, you're not going anywhere you want to go whenever you want to go. And you will get permission to go where you need to go. Ooh, that sounds like a controlling house. That's for me and my house. Now, when you get you and your house, you do what you want to do. And I pray that you do what I'm doing. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And saints, it's a wonderful thing to come to a place, and I'm speaking about your home, and there's peace in the house. Oh, Jesus. There's love in the house. And I don't mean that old mushy, mushy, I love you. I'm talking about true love in the house. When there's harmony in the house, 
when there's not no war and fighting and backbiting in the house. Oh, it's a wonderful place. And you can't appreciate it until you go into a house where the husband and wife is fighting and cussing and screaming and hollering and there's domestic abuse and all types of abuse going in. You know, there's some homes that my mother wouldn't let us go to and I didn't understand why we couldn't sleep over other people's house because you had your own bed. But she understood what was going on in their, that house and I didn't want you exposed to what was going on in that house. Are you listening? I'm saying that and even when we carry over into the house of Lord of the Lord, I appreciate Christ's church. I appreciate we don't have foolishness going on in the church. I appreciate that junk doesn't come across the pulpit, that we get the word of the Lord. Because this is Christ's church. He's the head of this house. And we have to do what the Lord tells us to do. It's tight sometimes, but guess what? It's right. You say, well, preacher, I can't line up with what the Bible was saying, and I can't line up with what you're saying. I can't line up with the teachings of this house. Then you know what? The same door that brought you in can take you out. Come on, But for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Okay, connect this house fire thing. You got to understand God has given us peace. And there's some things that he had burned in the house. What do you mean? And when they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, there appeared unto them tongues of fire sat upon each of them. There were little flames of fire flickering on each one that received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And God has put a little flame of fire over each one of us. Because there are things that come in our house that should not be. And it's the job of the Holy Ghost to set the house on fire. To burn up the things that should not be. Anybody experience a fire in your house where the Holy Ghost tell you, you know you're wrong for doing that. You know you shouldn't be doing that. You're doing it and the spirit of convict you. And finally down the road, you don't do that crazy stuff that you used to do. Because the fire of the Holy Ghost has set your house on fire and you're a new creature. House fire. Oh, Jesus. You got to keep the fire burning in your house. What do you mean? You got to reduce the stress. Mm-hmm. Reduce the stress. How you reduce the stress? You know, you will regret not spending time with your family because the family are going to grow up so fast. Those 18 years go like that. I look back over our life and see how fast those 18 years have gone. I mean, it is fast. That's why you need to spend time with your family. And you notice as your pastor, I don't fuss at you when you say I'm going to the beach. I don't fuss at you when you say you're going to family reunion. I don't fuss at you when you don't. I, I just try to make it convenient. I try to make Bible study convenient, prayer service convenient, Sunday morning convenient. You can watch it on Periscope. You can call the conference call. You say, but I, I even make giving convenient. You can use RazMobile.com and you can give 20 
24 hours a day. I'm trying to make it convenient. You don't feel like coming out your house and pray. You can get up 6 o'clock in the morning from 6 to 6.15, pick up the phone and pray with us. Are you listening? I'm trying to take away every excuse that you would have and make it available. Uh-huh. Spend time with your family. You got to know when to leave your job and leave the things at work at work. You could be so burdened and pressed with what's going on and the stress at work that you bring it to home, to your home and stress out your family. Leave the work at work. You got to know your spouse. You got to know the strength of your spouse. You have to understand the weakness of your spouse. One of the things I had to understand and being married 31 years, almost 32 years, I, I had to study my wife. And I had to learn to adjust. Are you listening? I know y'all don't want to hear what I'm saying. But you better learn your spouse. Know her. Know him. And invest time in him. Why? Because if you don't, you'll go off. But you'll ask God for extra grace when you need that extra grace. Freddie, you're not listening to me today. <laughs> you got to help me preach this thing. <laughs> I live in a house with five women, so you know I had to ask for God for extra grace. Grace, five, the number five. You got to know your children and underspend time with your children, quality time. Take them out. Date them. Take them to restaurants. Show them how to eat at the table. Show them table manners. Show them how to set the table. One day, blow their minds and put the crystals and the fine silver and flatware on the table and do a great dinner for them and teach them how to be ladies and teach them how to be gentlemen. Are you listening to me? Ooh, do activities with them. Do fun things with them. Do crazy things with them. I love, we used to go swimming together. <laughs> Ooh. You got to know re-energizing friends. Do your friends lift you or bring you down? Do your friends fill your cup or drain your cup? You got to know how to laugh. And it's good. A married soul doeth good like medicine. It's nice to be able to laugh. And I don't mean just pulling jokes on folks, but just to be able to laugh. Because those good times are what you're going to hold on to. The memories are what you're going to hold on to. And when, when I get a little sad and a little despondent, a little depressed, especially when I think about my mom, I, it goes in back into my mind when George Washington's birthday would come, we had to go to the store, and she would get us up early. And this was our instruction as we were lined up before the store opened. She said, now the store is going to open, and I want you to run to the hat table and grab as many hats as you can and just hold them for me. You know, they had a real discounted price. And so when the door opened, we ran in and grabbed the hats and she could sort through and get the best price and the best disc. Are you okay? All right. <laughs> but that's one of the fun memories that I hold that we made as a family. You got to know how to laugh. And then you have to know how to play. I remember going to the playground. It was fun. I don't know who had the most fun, the girls or me. Getting on the swings, going down the sliding board, enjoying just walking, enjoying taking a picnic 
basket and having lunch there at the playground. You've got to learn to do things that your kids will enjoy and appreciate. Going to Watkins Park, going, just exploring nature and just doing great things together. And it's not always about money. Like I told you, take a bag lunch and go to the zoo. Go to the museums. We have so much to do. The beautiful cherry blossoms are coming out. Just walk among the cherry blossom or ride your bike among the cherry blossom and enjoy what God has given us to enjoy because your house is on fire and you're trying to put up the, play, the flame. Know how to play and most importantly, know how to love. I love you. That's why I say the things I say. Sometimes I think I'm harsh, but I love you. Sometimes I think I don't say it enough. I love you. You got to know how not just to say it, but to show it. Whatever way you can show your love, show your love. And show it in your attitude. Show it in your face. I, well, I told you 100 years ago I love you, and if I change my mind, I'll let you know. Okay, I, well, no. So every once in a while you got to say but more than just saying it, you got to show it. And the things that you do and the ways that you carry yourself, the house that's on fire. There's a house fire going on. And there are some flames that we need to keep burning in the house that's going to keep us grounded, that's going to cause us to prosper and to cause our house to be blessed. Have you ever experienced a house fire? I know I have. There's a flame on the inside that's eternal, that keeps burning. So that even when your loved ones have gone on, there's a flame, a memory that you hold on to that warms your heart and say, God, I thank you. I thank you for the time that we had together. Father, I thank you for this word. It's burning in my heart. But I thank you for the house fire. I thank you for the mind to serve you and the commitment to follow through, to do the things that you're asking me to do. I pray that you bless our children. Give them a mind to hear what I'm saying and to be saved. I pray for our adults that don't know you as their savior. Give them a mind they say, you know what, i got to stop playing. I need the Holy Ghost. God, fill me with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Change my life. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Father, I pray for the soul that's near as hell. You'll deliver and change them and turn them around. You've just heard Bishop Ronald Frazier with a powerful message. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, feel free to drop by our website, www.ChristChurchInc.org. We're also on Facebook at ChristChurchInc and Instagram at Christ underscore Church underscore Inc. Winning the World for Christ was produced by Sando Savant Media. Music is provided by the O'Neill Brothers Group. You can find more of their wonderful music at www.oneillbrothersgroup.com.
www.thebookshop.com. We thank you for listening to today's message and truly hope that it was a blessing to you. Tune in next week for another great word. Until then, have a blessed week.